All right. Well, are you guys ready? Thank you for the for the resounding <laughs> silence. Here we go. Welcome to the podcast, and I am Becky here. Of course, there's always my co-host Jay. Hello, <laughs> hello. Jay is here, and we are the Happy Project. So today, uh, I don't know if you guys tuned into our last episode. It was kind of more less about guests, but more about who we are. Specifically, who is Jay? Who is the man behind the voice on the mic at the podcast? Well, today we decided to continue this and we're going to introduce another one of our team members. You have even heard less of him because he's not even on our podcast or any of our videos. You've never seen his face. You've never heard his voice, but he's always there. He's always watching. This is our cameraman, <laughs> Michael. Hello, Michael. Hello, Becky and Jay. Oh, Big Mike. You're a natural. <laughs> Big Mike. Actually, yeah, we gave him that nickname literally right after we met you. Like you came in for the interview and then you left and then you just started calling him Big Mike right away, Jay. Yeah, it's just uh, I make stupid nicknames for a lot of people. But <laughs> there was this guy in high school that I knew. Mm. Everyone called him Big Mike because he was actually like pretty big. Yeah. But Sorry, you call me fat. <laughs> basically, in a roundabout <laughs> yeah. way. Yeah. That's what he means to yeah. say, yeah. That's all, Michael. But we are so happy that you're here in the studio with us for the first time on the microphone. How do you feel? A little weird, actually. Oh, yeah? Like, so used to being, like, behind, like, the camera or mm -hmm. behind, like, the scenes and... Yeah, it's a different feeling, right? I, I feel so much more confident behind like a camera or a microphone or not a microphone, uh -huh. but being in front of one is a different feeling, huh? Yeah. And especially when you know that you may have to, you may going to like listen to this or mm. watch something like later. Right. If you've done the work behind the camera, it's fine. You kind of right, just right, right. watch it and enjoy it. Right. I'm pretty sure I'm not going to listen to this podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's how I am too. I don't listen to anything. Come on, yeah. you guys. You have to. You have to listen to yourself. This is called monitoring. You listen to yourself and you think, oh, I shouldn't speak like that. Or, oh, I shouldn't cough like that. Sure. But sure, Michael, Becky. Regardless whether you feel nervous or not, we don't care. We just want you to be here on the podcast. So thank you for joining us. Why don't you just give us a little bit of background? Who is Michael? That's such a broad yeah, question. That's, that's <laughs> who are you as a person? Who are you? Yeah, just, how do you answer just that? Just tell us everything. My name is Michael. I'm 28 years old. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, and I'm a Korean Norwegian adoptee. So that means that I was born in Korea, but I left for Norway when I was four months old, mm -hmm. or something like that. Mm -hmm. And then basically, I've been living in Norway almost all my life and then I decided to go back to Korea a few years ago to see like how it was living here and also to learn Korean mm -hmm. to see like I don't know if that made any difference in my life like I don't know connection or identity or something like that mm -hmm. when I first came here I studied Korean for a while and then I worked as an editor for a YouTube channel mm -hmm. now I work for uh, I guess it's a mobile game company mm, mobile game company Do you like video games don't don't worry your boss isn't listening to this yeah. no i was just thinking did i say yes to that question on the interview <laughs> yeah i don't really yeah. play mobile games that much mm -hmm. but i do it like sometimes and especially nowadays when i have like a 45 minute like subway ride every morning yeah. and i mm -hmm. need something to do um, for our listeners, if you're wondering what Michael does on our team, he handles the camera and also a lot of the editing as well. Some of our latest videos are due to his editing skills. So we do appreciate that. But Michael, you mentioned that you were adopted at four months old, right? Yeah. 
Do you remember or are you connected at all with where you were adopted from, like the adoption agency? Well, I visited there like one time mm-hmm. and met like one of the, I don't know what you call them, like adoptee workers. Mm-hmm. or And that was like a nice meeting. We went through like the process if I wanted to apply to find my biological parents, mm-hmm. which I said yes to at that time. Mm-hmm. But like in retrospect, I kind of see like I should have been more honest about like the way I was feeling about that mm. how are Not, you feeling about that uh just like it would be nice if it was easy then of course i do it mm-hmm. uh but at that exact time it wasn't that important to me and i don't think it has become like that much more important to me as mm-hmm. time has passed like either mm-hmm. it was pretty important to me before i came to korea that was like one of the things i wanted to do but after coming here and experience like different stuff i kind of realized that was more the things that I was looking for, more than just finding my roots, finding, mm. I don't know, traces of my past that I don't really know if I'm going to connect with that much or mm. not, though. Did you ever feel worried? Like, I, I was always curious about this. Say that you had met your birth parents. Yeah. Do you ever worry what your reaction might have been? Not my reaction, technically. Mm. Uh, when I kind of imagined it, the thing that would worry me the most was more how I would handle it with my other parents or in my eyes, like my real parents. Uh Uh, Because they're very nice and they would support me. Mm -hmm. But I know like if I kind of like went too far with like spending time with my biological parents, I guess, then in some way kind of could hurt them in Mm -hmm. some ways or others. Mm -hmm. I sometimes get like the question, like, how is it to have like uh, to be adopted Mm -hmm. to have like different parents? And that's not something I don't think anyone can actually answer that because you have to experience like both. Mm. And that's not really possible in a lot of ways. That's actually really good. I never even thought of it like Uh, that, but it makes so mm. much sense. But for me, like after I became like aware of the kind of fact that I do have other biological parents, I've been thinking a lot about it. And for me, it's kind of like always like the parents, even though they don't look like me at all, they will still always be my parents. They're the ones that took time off their life to always support me mm-hmm. and drive me back and forth to like soccer practice like every single day when I grew up. That's true parents. Yeah. <laughs> it's so interesting. What what do your parents look like? I'm curious. Uh, they look pretty much like normal Norwegian people. Uh, so it was always kind of like uh, when I grew up, like I always looked different from my parents because mm-hmm. I didn't even look half. So that didn't really look realistic either if mm-hmm. I just walk with like one of my parents. Right, right. So it's always been like stuff like that. But in Norway, you can't really complain because it never really becomes like a problem Mm -hmm. or even gets pointed out that often. Oh, so nobody really really pointed out to you? Like nobody asked your parents? Uh, No, like the only time I can kind of remember. But that's more like when I was in elementary school Mm -hmm. and like the other kids because they're young and just curious. Mm -hmm. We kind of ask like very rarely, but... That's also something about, like, Norwegian culture. You would never have the balls to actually ask something like that, even if you're super curious. Because huh. that's... Wow. That's a huge risk to take. So no one, like, even made fun of you or anything like that when you were young? Very lightly. Like, it may have happened, uh-huh. but that would usually come from people that not necessarily were, like, my closest friends, but right. we were friendly with each other. So oh. it were, like, jokes that could go a little bit, like, overboard, like, mm-hmm. sometimes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it was ever like ill intended or something like that. 
That actually sounds so amazing. Yeah, that's honestly, blowing my mind. Yeah, I, I've, I think I've never heard of that kind of case. Yeah, like for an adoptee to grow up with this kind of great experience. I mean, of course, growing up with great experience, but I mean, having it never pointed out to you or asked or anything like that. Well, you do get like questions sometimes, but. I've never really taken it as like an offense or anything like mm. that. I'm pretty sure they're just curious. Uh, but some of the questions comes out comes out like a little wrongly or it's a little weird. Mm-hmm. It's weird to have to answer that. But yeah. it's not something to that I've ever felt really offended by. It's sure. more it's more that because like I can't answer and I have to kind of point that out that it's impossible to answer. Mm-hmm. Then it becomes a little bit awkward after the few moments like afterwards. That's <laughs> the only thing. So. Are there many Koreans in Norway? Uh, very few Koreans in Norway. Mm-hmm. Like, I, it's very few like Asian peoples in general. Mm-hmm. Is it a pretty homogenous country, or no? Okay, uh, but I don't know. For some reason, like, not a lot of Asian people come to Norway, mm-hmm. and the Asian people that come there are either like, uh, I would assume most are from Vietnam and then Thailand. Hmm. Those are. That's interesting. I think like they're ninety percent of like the Asian population in Norway. One of the few places on earth without a lot of Koreans. Yeah. Right. yeah. <laughs> They're everywhere. So if you're trying to get a vacation out of Seoul, you know where to go. <laughs> well, when I was adopted to Norway, I came with another boy that was similar to my age. And we always stayed connected with like that family. So uh, when I grew Wait, they were were you both adopted to your family or not, not my family. Okay. Uh-huh. We just came on the same day. I see. So my f- parents became friends with like his oh, parents uh-huh. and then we've stayed in touch like since childhood. That's so lovely. Are you still close to him? You're or still friends. Do you still talk to him at all? We're still friends, but it's kind of like become a very I guess, like, adult friendship where you never really talk to each other. You say, oh, like, happy yeah, birthday. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So not a friendship at all, huh? <laughs> no, it's still a friendship, no, Becky. Becky. Yeah. Really? Yeah. You just say happy birthday? That's how it is sometimes, oh. you know? But if I take away, like, him and his sister that was also adopted from Korea, mm-hmm. then the first time I met, like, another Korean, it had to be, like, almost university, I think. That's, like, mm. the next... Wow. Wow. There was probably, like, some in between there that I don't remember, but that's, like, the one time that... Hmm. really sticks out that I remember like oh you're Korean too like that is so interesting that came up that's did, amazing yeah did you grapple with that a lot because my experience growing up uh, in like basically a white community um, I didn't really hang out with a lot of Koreans uh, until like high school and I always felt like set apart because I looked different and like I didn't really know too many Koreans in like my school community hmm. up until high school so I was like what was it like to just never see someone with the same like ethnic heritage as you all the way until university except for that one person that came to Norway with you on the same day for me like it that actually felt pretty natural mm-hmm. uh i think that i'm not going to talk for like everybody but i would actually assume for most adoptees that come to Norway that they have like a similar experience for the most part it's just that you get integrated into like the normal part of society mm. in that kind of way. So it just feels very natural that you're supposed to be around people that doesn't necessarily look like you. Mm-mm-mm. Like before I like studied, not studied Korean, but like st- started to get curious about Korea and like how the people were and stuff like that. I've never really imagined like ever trying to like seek out people just because like they look the same to me. Mm. That's always oh. felt that's always felt mm. a little bit unnatural to me. Mm. And it's a little bit the same thing when I came to Korea. Not that Norwegian people look like the same as me, <laughs> but it has always felt like unnatural for me to try to like search 
like after all the Norwegians to hang out with them. That that just feels weird, hmm. weird for me. Maybe you're just a very independent person, Michael. Like you don't necessarily need to feel this like I don't want to say community, but right. like necessarily you need. It's not like you necessarily need someone who looks like you to be able to relate. Yeah, it can be like a personal thing, mm. uh, and it can also be just like a cultural thing. Mm. Like Norwegian culture is similar to American culture in a lot of ways, but there are definitely aspects of the culture that is very different, mm-hmm. and I think that is kind of like one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Norway, like of course it it depends on like what kind of neighborhood you grow you grow up in, but. I think for the most part, it's very natural to welcome like your neighborhood to other people, even if they have like a different skin color or mm-hmm. something like that. I think that's great. Yeah, that's awesome. That's it's so interesting nice. how he's talking about the cultural difference yeah. of uh, you know sticking together. Because when I came to Korea, I noticed um, there's definitely some countries or nationalities, people of nationalities that hung out together mm-hmm. and didn't really mix with Korean culture. Mm-hmm. And then there was like people from uh, of other nationalities that came to Korea and they definitely mixed a lot more and, ex- yeah. and like hung out with people of other nationalities. So it is interesting to think that's a cultural difference. I actually, so I had taken language classes here for a couple months once. And I remember in that school, of course, it's all foreigners from very many different countries coming together. And so you would naturally find some groups of or nationalities, or cultures or ethnicities grouping together yeah. within the school, even though we're all there for a common purpose. And they're not even in the same classrooms with each other. Right. But eventually, as the semester goes by, you can define very clearly who belongs to where. Like you have the Korean Brazilians. Right. They were always in a group together. That was one of my roommates. Her and her friends were all Korean Brazilian, yeah. right? Then you had like Chinese and then you had Hong Kong right. and then you also had Singapore, like yeah. all these separate groups yeah. like that. And I distinctly recall, yeah, some countries like that. But you know what? Now I think about like Norway or even European nations, maybe because there weren't so many European students, but I didn't really notice that much. Do you think that's a kind of European aspect then? No, I, I don't know, because I noticed, like, French people, hmm. I mean, I don't want to stereotype, but I did notice that they hung out to themselves, too. Mm. A lot of Americans did, mm. too. Kyopo, like, for sure. Like, yeah, Korean-American yeah, Korean definitely have a very out. strong culture. Oh, even back in the States, yeah. like, a lot of my Korean-American friends only have Korean-American mm-hmm. friends. Like, I, I'm a rarity because I kind of, like, have mm-hmm. friends of different ethnicities mm-hmm. and backgrounds, but... Yeah, it's a strong culture. What was it like for you when you came to Korea, Michael? Did you have, let, let me just say, for me, because when I was in the States, I would never feel very, like, fully white, you know? So I would always, oh, I stand out, I stand out, I stand out. And then if I was with half Korean friends, which I, I actually had very, very few, I think about maybe one. But, you know, when you see them, you kind of more relate. But when I was with, like, Kyopo, like, Korean-American, I never felt like, oh, I really fit in, I fit in, whatever. <laughs> but I remember, like, people used to always say, oh, when you go back to Korea, it's like the motherland. You know, you're going to go to Korea, everyone looks like <laughs> yeah. you. Of course, for me, that wasn't the case. I came to Korea, and I, I stuck out even more so. But in your case, let's say on the outside, you look very Korean. When you came to Korea, did you feel strange? Did you feel glad? Did you feel like, oh, my gosh, everyone looks like me? What was that like for you? Yeah, that was, like, my immediate reaction, like... It was pretty nice. Like so many people looks exactly like me in some kind of way. And then I went into like the Pyeongchang like for the first time <laughs> and everyone just started like talking to me in Korean. And at that point, I didn't know anything. Mm-mm. And then I kind of realized like this was a little bit of like a double edged sword. Mm-mm. Yeah. And that took a lot of time to like overcome because you need to get to your Korean level to like a somewhat decent level to be able to... To order at a Pyeongchang. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not to order, but yeah, just order food in general or uh-huh. 
like uh, everyone that uh, looks at me, they mm. kind of expect that I'm mm. Korean. So they would always just talk to me in Korean and treat me like a Korean in the beginning. And to be able to like respond, it does require a certain level of like Korean skill. Did that feel like a burden to you? Yeah, that was like one of the first. It's not a culture shock. That was just like a shock I had when I, when I first came <laughs> Straight here. Great shock. That that was not something that I really imagined and prepared myself for before I came here. Can you give us maybe a, a story, like a, a situation, something that happened to you when you came to Korea that really was a moment that kind of struck you as recognizing, "Whoa, I am not full Korean." Do you have any case like that? I'm, I'm sure Jay does. I have. I was wondering about if you like the moment that sticks out. I, I, I don't, if I think about it, I don't really know like why it made me feel that I wasn't full Korean because mm-hmm. it isn't directly linked to being Korean or not at all. But it was more like, because when I first came here, I also went to language school and there my first friends there were all like Kyopos mm-hmm. from like England or from America. Because I, I guess, I guess like in a stupid way, like we, we looked similar. So <laughs> that's why we went up with each other. <laughs> right. And at that point, I didn't really know like the Korean word for like adoptee or like how mm. to explain that. Mm. So I just said like I'm a Kyopo too. Uh, mm. It made it made things a lot easier when I had to explain stuff. It was just like one word you mm-hmm. had to like memorize. But I remember there was one time you were hanging out with that Korean girl, and then I said like I'm a Kyopo, and she looked at me so strangely. Like, what are you talking about? Because mm. she knew, like, my parents weren't, like, biologically mm. Korean. Mm. And she was still like, you're not Kyopo. And then I kind of realized that that wasn't the moment I realized I'm not Korean, but that was the moment I realized how important it kind of is to Koreans to, like, group people mm. in specific, like, labels mm-hmm. in kind of way. That you have to be very precise about stuff like that. In some kind of way, that was when I realized that I never will get accepted fully as, like, a Korean because I will always have like my own label for like what kind of group subgroup that I belong to. How do you feel about that? Does it make you feel bitter at all, or are you okay with that? Or I think like I probably had like uh, a time where that was like a shock to me. Because I I think like before I came here, I had like the expectation that <laughs> I would finally get like accepted as like one of them at mm. like some point. Uh, so it was definitely like a time in the middle in my stay here where I probably felt that, yeah, it kind of sucks that I never get to get like that full acceptance, that unconditional like acceptance as being equal. But now that I'm kind of used to it, I don't really mind it like that much. Also because like I've become like comfortable with playing like the foreigner card whenever it kind of suits me. That's the best. Yeah, that's the, that's the, that's like the ace in your pocket. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> I honestly feel like that outweighs any disadvantage that you could have, like not being a Korean. Yeah. But yeah. Anyways, continue. No, but that, that was like, I, that was awkward for me in the beginning to kind of like admit, because in a way you're kind of giving up like being accepted as that's like a, a full really, Korean. Yeah, good way of saying it. So that's why I was pretty reluctant in the beginning to kind of like use it in situations, even though I knew it would be beneficial, beneficial to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, nowadays, I have like no hesitation using it whenever I <laughs> see thrown it. Thrown out left You're in good company. I think we all understand at least a little bit of how that might feel.
Well, thank you for listening to the Happy Project podcast so far. I hope you guys are also following the Happy Project on YouTube, where you can watch more interviews. Also, follow us on Instagram at the Happy Project, where you can see more photos, behind the scenes, and some stories. And if you are ever interested in getting in touch with us, you can email us at thehappyproject@gmail.com. So before I could speak Korean fluently. Um, I would rather suffer and struggle and say the wrong words and misunderstand the entire conversation before giving up trying to speak Korean. You know what I mean? Because to say like, okay, whatever, and just say it in English. Yeah. For me, sure, yeah, on one hand it's easier, but then it's just, we're all aware that I'm not perfectly Korean. We know that, but for me to admit it was so hard, <laughs> right? So I would rather just suffer than actually just, okay, you know, just say it in English. It's a little different now, of course, but uh, I think part of it has to do with my my pride i've kind of like thrown that away a bit right. and also speaking korean better but yeah i think that's a really good way of saying kind of like giving up like okay yeah i admit it i'm not korean you know but the more that we do these podcasts the more that i talk to other halfies or or adoptees or kyopos right and hearing their side of the story the more i come to feel like is it is it so bad you know, we try so hard to be Korean to be one of them. We want to be Korean too, but we're not. So it, it's kind of like, I guess the recognition I come to myself. Maybe I'm trying to soothe my mind by being like, it's, it's okay, right? Am I the only one alone in that? No, I, <laughs> I don't know. I totally agree with that. Uh -huh. You know, like, uh, so I, I think I already mentioned this before. Well, there was a couple cases where, like, I really realized, like, I wasn't Korean. Mm -hmm. Korean, because, you know, at least in the States where I grew up, or my experience has been, uh, people always ask you, like, what are you? Mm -hmm. uh, I'm Korean. Even though we're all American and, like, that's the nationality that I identify with. Mm -hmm. When people ask you, like, well, where are you from or, you know, what are you? They're mm -hmm. asking, like, what ethnicity you are. Right, so right. when I say Cor I'm Korean, it's just like, oh, I'm American, but I'm also, you know, mm. I have a Korean ethnic heritage. When I came here and I was telling people, oh, I'm Hangugin, and they're like, no, you're not. No, you're not. <laughs> like, yeah. like, what are you talking yeah, about? Yeah. And so that's when I realized, oh, yeah, I'm just, I'm a kyopo or like I'm a foreigner mm. who happen to have Korean parents. And like, uh, it was kind of a shock, but then now that like I've, you know, lived in Korean society more and I'm working in Korean companies or with Korean people, mm -hmm. I feel like it's so much more advantageous to just be a kyopo or a mm. wegugin and just pull out that foreign card because like i could do stuff that other people can't do like mm -hmm. one time i showed up to the office and like like very comfortable like almost sweatpants <laughs> like joggers and stuff and like just a t-shirt and then uh some yeah, i think that's just you <laughs> <laughs> i mean it's a casual it's a casual office mm -hmm. and they're like oh choketa, you know like Aww. you know must be nice to be a foreigner <laughs> and like no one said anything to me mm -hmm. but like i just the korean workers there they would never feel comfortable doing that mm -hmm. Whereas, like, you know, me, I just pretend like I don't know. Yeah, and leave so, right at 7 o'clock on the dot. <laughs> I mean, you know. 6.35. If, <laughs> if I do something, I just do it even if I know it's wrong. Mm. And then, because, you know, you could, oh, I didn't know that. You know, sorry, mm. I didn't know Korean culture. I like it better than actually do being you? Korean. Because mm. I feel like coming from a Western society, it's very individualistic, you know. Over here, it's very collectivist. Yeah. And, like, it's almost suffocating to me. And it's it's been hard for me to, like, adapt to that. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like, you know, I'm just a foreigner. I'm just individualistic. I do my own thing. I, yeah. I like it. 
Yeah. It's funny that we try we have this mindset to be like must be Korean, must be Korean, right? I do know I do know uh, lots of half Koreans too who want to like so desperately to be accepted. I also understand this. But yeah, it's kind of it's kind of funny because when we look at it from that angle in this regard, sometimes it's better to just say like okay, I'm foreign, I'm Kyopo, right? You have more advantages. So what Freedom. is it? <laughs> what is it about this maybe culture or mindset that makes you want so badly to be part of the pack? Do you know? Korean society is a very collectivist society and like I think it's it's not as encouraged to kind of be to stand out and be mm. as individual so every time you stand out it's almost looked down upon that's my like wangta like you're yeah kind of separated right yeah so that's my interpretation of it but I'm kind of curious to what you think Michael what are your thoughts on this yeah I kind of agree that sounds like a very likely kind of like explanation but for Austria I was just thinking about that If Becky also started learning Korean at a language school when she first came here, because mm-hmm. I know you did at, had that experience too. Yeah. Because when you studied like the Korean language, like in the beginning, I feel like the biggest compliment you can get, like if somebody says like, oh, you're basically like a Korean. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. and mm-hmm. that kind of gets like embroidered like into kind of like your your backbone. Like True. this is like the optimal kind of like right, right. goal. Well, and, yeah, ex- yeah. <laughs> That's like the best thing like you hear. Then yeah. you're like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. Maybe it's different with like, uh, I don't know, half Koreans that have never had to learn Korean because they've spoken so much in Korean like in their home when they was mm. in America or where they were. If they have like a different kind of like perspective on it. Or if it's just for everyone, it, the goal is kind of just to be accepted by like the Korean people as one of their own. How do you feel Korean people view you? How do you feel viewed when people know that you're adoptee? Uh, first, we have to go through that awkward first 10 seconds when we meet each other, <laughs> where <laughs> uh-huh. they ask first, like, since I look Korean, so, like, they ask, like, it's not like, are you Korean? It's like, you're Korean, right? Mm. And then I say, uh, no, I'm actually adopted. And it's not something that I kind of say to be, like, difficult. It's just, like, it needs to get out of the way, like, as early as possible mm-hmm. so we kind of get past that point. But... There's been more than a few times where I get like the reaction, like they jump a little bit back. And start, oh, wow. And, wow, even and, a physical reaction. No, no, like no that? but like, uh, yeah, and start to apologize, like, I didn't mean to offend you. And I was oh, just like, uh-uh. uh, no, I'm not offended. That was just like to explain like who I am and like why, yeah. Huh. Why I look, look the same as you, but probably I'm different mm. in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. So you can't, you can't treat me like a Korean, you have to treat me differently. <laughs> like a foreigner. <laughs> yeah, like, like a token foreigner. So, what is something then that in your opinion, separates you from just kyopo? Like, are there any particular qualities that come to mind or something that you can say, like, I'm definitely not kyopo? I think in that regard, it's more... I wouldn't say this is for adopters, like, in general. Mm -hmm. And it may be a super personal thing. I don't know. But I feel like the difference is that when you're kyopo, you always have, like, that kind of... Not only heritage, but that direct connection. Like, your parents are then... Mm -hmm technically Korean and probably have taken a lot of like Korean culture and tradition with them like when they moved abroad. When you're an adoptee, you have to kind of make that choice yourself if you want to be connected to that culture. Mm. Because unless you get ousted by the society, new society that you live in, you never really have to really acknowledge that part of you if you really don't want to. Mm. Like if I wanted to just be Norwegian, I could have just let everything be and never come to Korea and just mm. stay in Norway. And for most people, when I say like 
like uh, I'm Norwegian when I'm there, and that's perfectly fine for them.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, perfectly natural. So for me, it was a choice that I had to I had to make to kind of like get the opportunity to explore that part of me.、Mm-hmm. Uh, but I feel like if you're a kilt or if like a half or a half feed, then it comes more naturally just、mm-hmm. by your environment.、Mm-hmm. That you have to choose it away more than you have to you ch- have to choose to pursue it actively.、Mm-hmm. So I feel like that's a small nuance, but、mm-hmm. that may be like a little different. I think it's very significant nuance. Yeah, I think it's so interesting how you framed it as a choice.、Mm-hmm. You know, I never really thought of it from that perspective. Like from being a kilpol,、uh, I always just grew up、um, with、uh, Korean grandparents, Korean parents, and so like I was just immersed in the culture, even though you know they're pretty westernized. But it was never a choice. It was just like I grew up eating Korean food, listening to Korean, you know, watching Korean dramas. Yeah, yeah. I mean, not watching them. I would see my parents <laughs> watch them. You know, <laughs> well, don't get me wrong. I would never watch、yeah. Korean dramas. So, <laughs>、uh, but yeah, it wasn't a choice. So、yeah. I find it so interesting. Like、mm-hmm. you actually took the active choice to be like, okay, I'm gonna go to Korea. I'm gonna learn about my ethnic heritage、mm-hmm. and learn the language. I, that's like it's really powerful. I think、that、to、is. hear, it's yeah, a big move, yeah, yeah, big decision to make, especially since you hadn't really been exposed right to lots of Korean culture, right? To not have like that connection, like、uh, you know, fed to you, or、mm-hmm. like you know, you've been exposed to that your entire life to、mm-hmm. just like forge that and like make a move to a totally different country and learn a whole new language. That, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So how about now? When you were in Norway, probably, or did you just say to people, "I'm Norwegian," right? Yeah, when I'm in Norway.、Yeah. Let's say if you go back to Norway,、yeah. how how would you say you are to people after having lived here? Like, I think for the people that I know in Norway, like they don't view me any differently.、Mm. But I can definitely feel more that that's not directly like、uh, like a gap that have come up like since I lived in Korea specifically, but、mm-hmm. more that I've lived abroad for such a long time.、Mm-hmm. That my perspective is starting to become like more and more different from like the standard like Norwegian perspective,、mm. uh, like the way you think about stuff, what's important or what you think is like morally like correct to do or like show、mm. understanding for different cultures and people's like choices and stuff like that.、Mm-hmm. So from time to time, when I try to explain to my friends like about things I experience in Korea, for me it's just like I'm describing something very neutrally,、mm. like it's a lot of working hours and so on, so on, so on. And then it always ends up in kind of like a discussion. Do you think that's better than Norway or?、Hmm. People always、home? ask me that. Yeah, is Korea or U.S. better? They always ask that question. Yeah, that's what I get to like when I、mm. go back home. And for me, my perspective is that you can't really say that one is better than the other. It depends a lot on what you kind of value the most yourself, like、uh, from the values in a society.、Mm. Uh, but I think like for especially my Norwegian friends that have never lived abroad. They can never grasp that concept, the idea of it, one hundred percent. So for them, it seems probably sometimes that when I tell like stories from Korea and stuff like that, they probably think like, "Oh, it's so much better to be <laughs> be back here." Because、right. uh, I don't think they realize that the pluses within the region societies can also become like downsides in other situations. Like it's safe and there's not a lot of people and it's not very competitive. That's good and comfortable, but too much comfort can sometimes be a little bit uninteresting. That you don't get the highs and lows in life,、mm-hmm. like in the same cases as I've gotten when I came to Korea. 
<laughs> that's true. That's yeah. so yeah. Yeah. The highest highs and the lowest Absolutely. lows. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, that's really interesting that you put it that way. You've been here for around three years, right? I think or, it's, yeah, it's closer to four now. Closer to four years. I've been here for a year and a half and mm-hmm. then another year studying abroad. And one thing I really struggle with sometimes, and uh, I'm working on it, is trying to adapt my perspective from a Western perspective to, um, be more open-minded to Korean culture and society, but I find at times it's really tough. Mm. And I don't think I've changed my perspectives on things, um, even being here for a year and a half, but you said you did find yourself kind of changing like the way you think the longer you've been in Korea. Mm -hmm. And how have you, like you've been here for six, Mm -hmm. six years now? Yeah. Have you, have you been experiencing that as well? Or I'm curious to hear. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's it's not like I learned a lesson and now I choose right. to follow that lesson. It's kind of more like you have your mind was this shape and now it's kind of more like this shape or now it's like this shape or this shape. And so just because of this changing of shape of my mind or my perspective, it dictates slightly a little bit of my action or my response or the way I'll think about something. I do notice this um, when I'm more strongly, of course, when I'm visiting other countries when I'm back home in the U.S., that, yeah, the way I'll respond to certain situations or people, it's, it's a little different, you know? I don't know if I can put my finger on it. It's almost kind of like how when, I don't know if you guys can do this, but I can see kyopos and I can say, oh, that's kyopo from Central Asia. That's kyopo from U.S., oh, right? Wow. Like you can, you, there's something, right? There's something that you can feel and it's just, it's different, but I can't really put words to it. I don't know if you can do a better job, Michael, than me. Uh, yeah, it's diff- yeah, it's extremely <laughs> difficult to like put words to kind of like explain it. Not that that's the same though, but that kind of just reminded me that there's one thing when Jay said like he still has problems like accepting some of the like the cultural differences. Mm-hmm. That kind of reminded me like I I do still have like stuff with Korean society or how things work here that mm-hmm. I'm not exactly thrilled about like still or still kind of understand mm-hmm. why they're doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh. But the one thing that I feel that I now can say that since I lived there for such a, such a long time, that now I feel is okay when I just say like, when they, when they try to explain it, yeah, but that's just like a cultural different mm. difference, like mm. uh, In the beginning, then I was just like, okay, this is my bad that I misunderstood this and didn't understand your culture. Yeah. But now in some situations, I'm just like, yes, there may be a cultural difference here at some part of like this, mm. but there's still kind of a universal universal thing in some areas where right is right and wrong is wrong hmm. and i feel sometimes i can still fight but that's like both places though mm-hmm. but that you can't really explain fully by cultural differences it's just that in all societies like things that people do like there can be good things and bad things and wrong things and right and right things and i feel like even if you're a foreigner in Korea, if there's something you feel like it's happening that you really don't like and you really feel is wrong, then I feel that you should be able to voice that opinion and not be thrown like the card, like you don't understand like the culture and stuff like that. Because some things are just wrong to do. Mm. I think you bring up a great point because my experience here personally has been, it's so easy to find myself just comparing everything back to the United States and be like, oh, well, this is so much better back home or Mm -hmm. why do people do things that (laughs) way? But to have that nuance to kind of recognize, okay, 
There are different cultures, and there are certain things that are better, certain things that are worse, and uh, and to and say, okay, well, you know, things might be worse over here, things might be better over there, but like there is like that universal, you know. Right or wrong, mm. right? And, and like what you're saying about like if you're a foreigner to see something wrong, to like have the courage to be like, okay, maybe this is something that's wrong. It's not just a cultural mm-hmm. difference and to speak up about it. I think that's very important. I think that is very important. It's hard to do. Yeah. You know, you're you pushing against that invisible wall yeah. of opposite pressure that you could label as culture differences. Right, right. It's easy to just be like, oh, well, that's a cultural difference. Right, like whatever, right. like I, I have no concern and yeah. I have no dog in this fight. But it takes a lot of courage to do something like Absolutely. that. Absolutely. And I think it's very hard to do in Korea, especially. Yeah, I do think so. I, I'm i wondering if I should mention, but I do have like specific cases. Mm-hmm. For example, let's let's say just briefly like domestic abuse, right? Oh, I've heard lots of bad stories so about this. So many cases of this where it's like, well, the woman belongs to the man, right? right. She She's now part of his family, right? You, sh- you as an outsider have no right to come in and try to help her escape, for example. If she makes that choice, she's, that's her choice. You know, so these would be some cases. And I have had some friends, some foreigner friends who will be trying to call the police and the police will say, look, it's her choice. Like if she wants help, she'll come to us, you know, things like this. And um, I know that this person in particular would fight against that over and over and over again to no avail because why? And quote unquote cultural differences. Right. So, yeah, that's that's raising a very good point. Michael, something a little more lighthearted that just came to my mind (laughs) about um, cultural differences, things that changed with me, saying bless you after sneezing. Oh, yeah, that's a huge (laughs) one. Yeah. My friend who from the States came and stayed with me for about a month. And so obviously, you know, if you're staying together for a month, you'll hear each other sneeze every once in a while. (laughs) Every time she'd sneeze, I told like it's like I don't even hear it. And she'd be like. Bless me. Bless me. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> That's interesting you say that because people sneeze at my office and I like I have to hold myself back. Like, really? Just be like, oh, no, they don't say bless you here. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> no blessings for you. Yeah. Or sometimes I'll throw it out and like they just like won't even hear it. It doesn't yeah. even register. Right, right, yeah, right, right. It's, just, it's so weird. It's, it's, it's not bad, but it's just so different. Yeah. Yeah. Little things like that. Well, Michael, thank you for being so open yeah. about your experience. We had been mentioning this before, like, do you think Michael's going to want to talk about his own life and his personal things? But we're just so happy that you were open and willing to share with us. But I'm sure you've got plenty more secrets. We'll get them out eventually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I learned a lot today, though. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you. It was a really great time. If we have any listeners out there who might have a similar story to Michael, or you're curious to learn some more, you can always send us a message at thehalfyproject at gmail.com. But anyway, we're just going to wrap up here. Jay, thank you. No, thank you. <laughs> well, thank oh. you. Yeah, no, thank you. Goodness, he's Christ, so funny. <laughs> <laughs> yes. the only adult in this Big room. Mike. Yeah, Big Mike. Big Mike. Michael, thank you for being part of the podcast today. Oh, thank you for inviting me. Of course. Yeah, that was and amazing. also we need to find like a nickname for Becky. Yeah. Why? It's J to the C and then J to the C. J to, yeah. Did you just make that up right now? No, 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 no. Because no. after after like J, I don't know where started calling me Big Mike. I was just yeah. like, oh, yeah. how should I respond to this? Yeah. How should I respond to this? So you called him J to the C? Yeah. Oh, I like Capitan. We call him Capitan. I don't. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll think of something eventually. Or not. That's fine. It's okay. <laughs> we don't need any nicknames. We just need to think of a really horrific one. <laughs> <but> like, <laughs> just 
just use it in public. Thanks. Thank you so much. Yeah. Well, everyone, thank you for being part of this conversation. And thank you to our listeners for tuning in. As you know, of course, we are going to release our podcast every Sunday, 8 p.m. Seoul time. So stay tuned for another episode. And make sure you subscribe to us so you know when those are coming out. You can find our episodes at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and also on our website, thehappyproject.com. Send us mail at thehappyproject at gmail.com. We can't wait to hear from you. And, of course, we have the YouTube channel, The Happy Project. So make sure you check us out there. So once more. Thank you, boys. Thank you. You're welcome. You're Thank welcome. you, Becky. <laughs> um, Thank you very excuse much. Excuse my, my intonation. Yes, and thank you all for listening. We are The Happy Project. Something to do with so game phones. What about regular phone games? games. <laughs> phone games? <laughs> game phones? What, what did you game say? Phones, game phones? Phone games? <laughs> this, this person clearly doesn't game. No, I She's don't know anything about it. not a gamer. It.